Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. It may feel a little far from the Bay Area, but every Californian has a stake in what goes on in our state capital of Sacramento. And this past week, the city has been trying to make sense of its deadliest mass shooting ever. Six people were killed and at least 12 were wounded. Sacramento, we think of it as, you know, the the seat of state government, but Sacramento as a city has been wrestling with violence for a number of years now. And of course, this might be the, the, the bloodiest manifestation of that violence so far. Today, what happened in Sacramento and how the community is reacting. Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. This happened in the early morning hours of Sunday around 2 a.m. Saul Gonzalez is the host of KQED's The California Report. There was something, some kind of altercation, some kind of fight broke out. And then people, and I emphasize people, there seems to be more than one shooter here. People started shooting at one another. And then a lot of folks got caught in the crossfire. According to Sacramento law enforcement right now, this does appear to be gang-related. Some or all of the shooters had gang affiliations Mm -hmm. in the Sacramento area, and it somehow relates to that. I mean, this is not a traditional mass shooting as I think we've all come to understand it, right? But it seems to have been much more of a gang-on-gang altercation, which unfortunately got very bloody very quickly. What are the names of the victims, Saul? So we have six victims, uh, three adult males, three adult females. They are Gentia Alexander, Melinda Davis, Devasier Turner, Yamil Martinez Andrade, Sergio Harris, and Joshua Hoy Lucchese. They're all between the ages of 21 and 57. What else do we know about them? Well, they were residents of Greater Sacramento. The person who's got really the most attention is Melinda. Uh, She was uh, 57, the oldest of the victims. She was an unhoused person, well-known in that part of Sacramento, apparently a very gentle soul who kept to herself but was generally very friendly. 
So a lot of people uh, who work with the unhoused community there knew of her. And I must say there's been a lot of attention focused on her in particular. Can you tell me where in Sacramento this happened exactly and, and what usually goes on in that area? Well, this happened right in the heart of the downtown area of Sacramento. I mean, you could jog from where the shooting happened to the front door of the state capitol building in about a minute or two. So very close to the capitol building, where, of course, legislators have passed some very tough gun control laws in recent years, but also just, you know, in the heart of civic Sacramento. And in in the immediate vicinity, you have a lot of restaurants, you have a lot of bars, you have a lot of uh, very close to other private offices and, and offices for the state of California. So again, right in in the middle of things when it comes to this particular California city. This this happened in a commercial district that suffered a lot during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of restaurants and stores closed down. If you still go there, if you go there now, you still see a lot of shuttered establishments, a lot of for lease signs out and Local leaders are in the midst of trying to revive this. In in a sense, they've been partially successful. That's why there were so many people there early Sunday morning getting out of these nightclubs and restaurants. And then prior to the shooting, it was a place in Sacramento that was known for homelessness, right? I mean, there's just a lot of small homeless encampments immediately around the area. Uh, A lot of homeless service organizations provide services there. It was really interesting to see this uh, in a very tangible way, these two kind of big California issues now intersect in exactly the same place. Saul, you spent most of this week reporting in Sacramento. What was the mood like there? Well, you know, again, it's obvious to to, to say, Erica, but it's, it's tragic. I mean, people... You get this feeling of like, oh, not again. Yet another episode of mass gun violence in this country. And in addition to that, the shock of having it in your city and not only in your city, but a place that is known by all right Mm -hmm. in that particular community. But also, I got to say, a kind of um, feeling of, well, we've seen this all before. Right. We, we, in a sense, have seen this so much in our country and in our state. We all know what to do. Politicians know what to say. The thoughts and prayers lines, the scheduling of, of the candlelight vigil, which occurred in, in Sacramento, in uh, the vows to, to, to fight future gun violence. We do our part in the media. Right. And, and I got to say, it is all kind of like a, a, a terrible play that's restarting again. What did you hear from people that you talked to in that downtown area? Well, when it comes to merchants, I talked to a couple of merchants and restaurant owners. Um, They were just concerned about efforts to revive the area commercially now going into reverse. A A lot of people there are still feeling the effects of the pandemic. They were just starting to emerge from that. And now they have to deal with the ramifications of this of this shooting. And then just beyond the merchants, um, again, I, for instance, I talked to people at the Candlelight Vigil. Uh, they just want to make sure that more is done to deal with anti-violence efforts in the city of Sacramento and things like that. And they hope that that work continues and it's amplified. I know that Daryl Steinberg, the mayor of Sacramento, has already asked that, you know, he's asking the state to spend a heck of a lot more money on anti-crime efforts, anti-violence efforts, and we'll see where that goes. 
Yeah, I want to ask you about Mayor Steinberg. I know you talked with uh, the mayor of Sacramento when you were out there reporting. How is he just responding to the shooting? Mayor Steinberg is is doing what, like a lot of other responsible mayors would do, he's trying to calm fears. He's trying to tell people that, you know, Sacramento will, will get past this. He's trying to comfort those who've been uh, personally affected by the violence. But he's also basically has this message of, hey, Sacramento is still a place to visit. It's still a place uh, that's, you know, generally safe. It would be a mistake for... Uh everyone to retreat and say, we're not going to uh, go out to eat. We're not going to go to the Kings game. We're not going to go to the concert. And he wants to emphasize that message and that, you know, this does not mar the reputation of Sacramento for good. Downtown has been full of people having a good and great time. And we want that to continue. And you just had a mass shooting. I understand at two in the morning. And, I, and of course, people should take precautions. And we are going to uh, address this, first to arrest the perpetrators, and secondly, to continue to do what we're already doing, which is to enhance the lighting, uh, more security cameras, all of that downtown. And of course, as we've been kind of talking about, this uh, was an example of gun violence with, unfortunately, a lot of people caught in the crossfire how are advocates and community organizers in Sacramento responding to the shooting? Some advocates are in contact with the families themselves and offering tangible assistance, you know, whatever services they can do or help caring for children or bringing them groceries and things like that. And then beyond that, I think if more information comes out about this being squarely about gang on gang violence, I'm sure, you know, you'll be hearing a lot more about peace making efforts that could occur there in in the city of Sacramento, what can be done in terms of tamping down gang violence. I'm Leah Shank, L-E-I-A-S-C-H-E-N-K, and I'm the founder of Impact, E-M-P-A-C-T. Leah Shank is a a woman I met uh, not far from the shooting site uh, near K Street in Sacramento. And I met her early one morning as she was uh, gathering groceries. She was about to take food to the families of some of the victims. It's difficult. It's heartbreaking. It's nothing you ever get used to, you know, and we just want to make sure that the families have what they need. They're the priority right now. And then holding up our community members. A lot of people were here and witnessed that. But she really wanted to emphasize to me where she hopes the city goes after this shooting and the programs that could be put in place. And here's some of what she told me. Because we have to give our community members something in place of where they don't feel safe. So we have community members that carry guns around because that gives them safety. We have to replace that with something so that they feel safe and they don't have to carry guns around. It's all I want to talk about the personal consequences to this kind of violence. I know you went to the vigil for some of the folks who um, were killed in this shooting and you talked with some of the family members of the victims. How are they responding to the shooting? What did you hear? Well, I talked to one gentleman in particular, Jackie Henderson. He's a cousin of Sergio Harris, one of the victims, one of the people who were shot. Uh, So they have this candlelight vigil in in a square in Sacramento. And the mayor said his his piece. And uh, you had some other community activists come up and talk about the need for peace. And then this gentleman, Jackie Henderson, took the mic and basically just went off. The last time we had a mass shooting, we did the same thing, sat out here, held up our candles, 
talked about the police are here for us now. The public officials are for here us now. They're here for us. How are they here for us when we sit here doing the same damn thing again? The same thing. So who's going to stop it? Because ain't nobody bringing Sergio back. You know, we cannot get inured to this. We cannot get inured to gun violence. We can't just do and say the same things that we always do and say after an incident like this. We made national headlines. Great. For what? For putting six people on the ground and having 16 more others sitting in the hospital fighting for their life? Unacceptable. We can't come up in here anymore and have vigils and sit back and say it's not going to happen again. We got to change things. When the hell are we going to start? After he was at the mic, I caught up with him and um, had a conversation with him. And here's some of what he had to say. We just want to let you guys know who my cousin was. He was a solid cat. He was a father. He was a husband. He wasn't a gang member. He wasn't a dope dealer. He was just a solid individual who was trying to get his life right, do right by his kids, do right by his family. That's all he was. And he didn't deserve this. None of the people who got shot deserved this. What really stuck out with me was his challenge to me, and I guess by extension, society as a whole, which is, what are you going to do about this kind of violence? You'll tell your story. But beyond that, what are you going to do as a citizen of California, as a citizen of the United States, to really confront this and, and to really feel this in your soul and, 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 and not forget about it so easily? Do you think anything is going to happen, the kind of things that you want to see? If I didn't, I wouldn't have went up there and spoke. I've been through a lot of different vigils. And I've never spoke. I've kept stuff inside. I can't do it on this one. So do I think things are going to change? I know they are for me. What about you? Don't ask me if I think they're going to change. Are you going to start changing things? I try. But are you going to try Are you going to try a little bit harder? Because it does affect you. Every last one of us. So don't ask me if I'm going to change or if I feel there's a change. What are you going to do? He was asking that of me, but I think the question uh, really was for all of us. What are we all going to do about this issue? And as you heard, I didn't really have much of an answer for him. Saul, do you think this shooting could lead to any changes in our gun laws in California or anything else to improve safety here? Well, it is. A, that's a question for the ages, right, Erica? I mean, we already have more than 100 gun control laws on the books in the state. Inevitably, and you're already seeing it, you have calls from legislators for, for more gun control laws. And by the way, I think you'll also see a, a lot more from more conservative elected officials who will say, well, this is an example of gun laws not working. What we really got to do is get tough on crime, get tough on offenders. And that's the way out of violence in California as they see it. You know, I'll just add this. I mean, California has a very long history with gun control efforts. I mean, a lot of it dates back to what happened in San Francisco in 1993. There's the 101 California Street shooting. Nine people were killed in that incident, including the shooter. And since then, we've put a lot of gun control laws on the books. And I just think we should recognize that, that, you know, this is not an issue that happened just five years ago or six years ago. Um, this has been very much on the, on the radar and in the consciousness of Californians for a long time. 
in just California alone this year, there have been 13 mass shootings. That's according to the Gun Violence Archive. 13. I don't know about all of them. I'm sure you don't. But it's a sign of just how frequent these things happen. And on occasion, they're so bad, like what happened in Sacramento, that they get a lot more attention. But there's a lot of things under the surface, a lot of bloodshed, a lot of family pain and grief that happens that doesn't get as much attention. Well, Saul, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your reporting and for being out there. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I only wish it was a more pleasant uh, topic, but it's an important one to cover. So again, thanks so much. As of Thursday afternoon, two suspects have been arrested in connection with the shooting on firearms charges. Police say they believe at least five people from rival gangs were involved. That was Saul Gonzalez, host of KQED's The California Report. You can catch Saul's show every weekday morning on 88.5 FM, or you can subscribe to The California Report podcast wherever you found the bay. Also, you probably heard Saul allude to the fact that there have been several mass shootings in California so far this year, but it's usually the deadliest ones that make headlines. I think this is really something to reflect on. We actually did just that back in 2019 after a mass shooting at a house party in Orinda. I talked with The Guardian's Guns and Lies in America reporter, Albany Clayton, a reporter whose brain I just really trust when it comes to coverage of gun violence. I talked with Abine about what kinds of shootings make headlines and which don't, and the role that race played in that particular shooting in Arinda. Some real stuff in that episode, y'all. I'm gonna leave you a link to it in our show notes. This episode of The Bay was produced by producer Maria Esquinka, who cut this episode, and editor Alan Montesilio, who scored this episode and added the tape. Our podcast senior leadership team includes Jessica Placek, Jen Chien, Kiana Mogadam, and Holly Kernan. And I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thank you so much for listening, y'all. Stay safe out there. Peace. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair, available wherever you get your podcasts.